Welcome listeners. You are listening to Boundaries and Bridges, where we are navigating conflict without giving in and without giving up. I am your host, Amy Armstrong, along with featured guests, and our commitment to you is always unscripted, lively discussions with leaders who can help us understand and implement ways to navigate conflict. Today, I welcome back Megan Melby Browning. Megan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Amy. It's great to be here. I always like to ask my guests if you see yourself as an avoider or a confronter when it comes to conflict. And Megan, I think I have an idea how you might answer this question, but let's hear it directly from you. Oh, so I'm definitely a confronter. Um, I'm an Aries and I have fire in my belly and I am I'm not afraid to confront conflict. And my family has a fun little nickname for me called the emotional bully. Um, and I'm sometimes introduced as the emotional bully to um, my kids' friends um, when they first come to our family. And it, it's lovingly because I have uh, a good sense of intuition. I can usually sense if something is off with people. Um, and I've really put effort into creating um, a space for that to grow and it, it has not steered me incorrectly. And so if I ask someone if they're okay or I get a sense that something's going on with someone and I ask them and they say, no, I'm fine, I can't, I can't let that slide. <laughs> So <laughs> I, I, I love how we can laugh about this because, of course, the word bully is used yes. often in a negative connotation. So how no. does that come across as loving so that they know you're there to support? You're not there to put them in the spotlight or embarrass them. Yeah, well, I usually I think that people get a sense that I do care and that's where it's coming from. And certainly my kids do. Um, so I think. Just um, I call it out. So if someone doesn't really want to talk about it, then I'm fine with that. So, for instance, if um, I say to my husband, um, how was your day? And he says it was fine. And I get a sense that it wasn't fine. I'll say, well, based on your body language and the tone of your voice, I actually don't think it's fine. So if what you meant is you don't want to talk about it, that's cool. But um can we not say we're fine if we're really not fine? So I'm just a stickler on being honest about what's happening within you. And if people don't want to talk about it, I can respect that. But I just like the integrity of us all saying really what's happening. Because saying we're fine when we're not fine is um, is not helpful um, in our culture. And I feel like it's created a lot of problems in us trying to make people think something, but we feel alone inside. And that's what I try to, I want people to know that it's okay to not be okay. And that there's a safe space to process that if you're ready to. And whatever. You know, that you, is, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No. And just like whatever you feel is it's, it's okay to feel that way. Yeah. So you're making sure that they don't feel alone. <clears throat> But there's no expectation. They still get to claim their own integrity and their own sense of what's honest. Right. Yeah. Right. So I guess that would be the bully part is I will challenge. <laughs> if I don't have integrity with your answer. I, I have no problem saying based on these things, I feel like that might not be the case. But I respect your choice to engage or not engage with me on this right now. 
And Megan, you're able to put so much of what you think and feel and believe into words, right? Not everyone wants to do that. Not everyone can do that. Is this something you think everyone should develop? Or is this kind of just the culture that works for you and your family? I do think that it's, um, if we're thinking about um, being um, emotionally intelligent and, and healthy, not trapped by our emotions, that it's essential. Mm-hmm. If we can name it, then it loses its power over us. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend who is from Berlin and she stayed with us for um, a couple months, several years ago. And she told me a story that in Germany, they have this belief that if you have a bad dream and you tell someone about it, then it doesn't, it loses its power over you. And so I kind of like to apply that to emotions. If you have an emotion that's really turbulent and it's getting stuck inside of you, if you can figure out how to name that emotion and the more granular you can get, um, then it frees you. And that work needs to be done with someone else typically. I mean, we can do it with ourselves, but if we have a, a tribe, a community where we can process that with one another, then it makes it even more powerful. So there's a lot of healing in that. Beautiful. It reminds me of one of my favorite resources, a very short book called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And one of the four agreements is be impeccable with your word. Right. So it sounds like that's part of your family culture is you really expect people to be clear, to mean what they say and say what they mean all within this sense of freedom, right? You're you're still giving everyone a lot of freedom of how they choose to express themselves. But that's amazing that your family culture is so grounded in that level of integrity about really meaning whatever it is that comes out of your mouth. Yeah, I think it's it's so freeing and I think it can be a little unexpected if you haven't been part of that culture. And, and it's actually not really the culture that I grew up in. I grew up in a culture in the Midwest. I was the middle child. I was kind of the peacemaker. And it wasn't um, there were a lot of different um, spoken and unspoken rules about what we could and couldn't say and what we couldn't couldn't talk about and i think that it kind of um had me uh in my young adulthood feeling like i had lost my sense of myself and my voice because i just kept stuffing those emotions so when i had my own kids i wanted to do it differently and i remember when they were little there was a book about feelings and it talked about jealousy and anger and joy and frustration. And I read this book to them and we talked about what those feelings were and taught them to access those feelings and name those feelings. And when they got older and started to notice those feelings in me, I think that was one of the most challenging points and and, and a deciding factor in my family culture. Was I going to let them hold me accountable as I was holding them accountable? Or was I going to say, um, I'm the adult, you don't get to call me out on what I might be experiencing. And when they'd say, is something the matter? And I'd said, no, I'm fine. I thought, ooh, that's not integrity. So you have practice. You have developed habits around how to answer that question when you don't want to go into it. You don't necessarily want to talk about it, but you don't want to fake it either. So it sounds like you really give yourself and your family permission 
to, to, yeah. to make a lot of choices within that commitment to integrity. Absolutely. And wow. Absolutely. wow. So does it ever erupt into conflict when somebody says, no, I'm not fine because you imposed this curfew on me or because you spoke harshly to me. And the next thing you know, something's out on the table that you didn't necessarily make room for. All the time. <laughs> All, the, All time. the time. Yeah. It's, it's and a, then what? I think we in our family just get to learn to regulate. And I think something that I've learned over time is as a leader of my family and as someone who really values these parts of, of our culture, um, sometimes I get to be held accountable and it feels, uh, feels icky because it means that I have done something that was maybe counterculture or I'm not following the principles of our culture and um, I get to be held accountable too. And so in the beginning, I feel like I was more deflective of that and um, dismissive. I've learned that as I, um, there's a phrase, admit to the hell of it, then comes change. And oh, I think as wow. I have admitted, yes, I did that. And that wasn't um, my intention. And that's not how we show up in this family. And you are, you are correct. Um, it's done a lot of positive things. And one of the things I think is it helps my, my family know that their intuition is correct and they trust themselves. And if, if they can trust themselves with everyone but me, then that's going to be challenging. So I need to be, have integrity in that with them. So you're willing to challenge yourself just as much, if not more, than challenging the rest of your family. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So what do you say to people who really don't like to confront? They just want things to be fine. Rocking the boat just completely undoes them. And they're so worried about what's going to come next. And that uncertainty causes anxiety. What What do you what, what's your advice to people that might hear you talk about confrontation and just reel from it? I think that avoiding confrontation is avoiding speaking our truths. Mm. And if you're okay with that, you can definitely make that decision that's available to you mm. and there's more available. So I think I just like people to know, yes, that's an option. And also there's more available to you. So if you're able to, um, I, I like to, to be a processing place for what Brene Brown calls people's shitty first draft. You can come to me when you're dysregulated and frustrated and we can think, what's at the heart of this? Because typically there's something that's worth saying. And mm -hmm. I've told my kids this since they were little. You can tell anybody anything. You just have to find words that other people can hear, words that aren't going to Whoa. be offensive to other people. And so you get to put yourself in the other person's shoes and write a draft of that shitty first draft <laughs> that's more polished so that they can read it and get through it. And that actually is going to give you more power because you will be heard. If you don't do that work, then you're going to turn people off and they won't even get through the second sentence before they disregard what you're saying because it's not getting to the heart of what you're trying to share with them. As we get ready to close out, Megan, I want to see if I'm getting this correctly because I think what you said just really landed with me. Mm -hmm. I work in such high conflict situations where people want their truth to be heard, but they haven't realized 
that the manner in which they say it might actually amplify the conflict rather than help them be heard. So you're saying that really looking at how we say it can still be very much in our truth. We're just recognizing that people are people and, and need to have some buffer in order to be able to hear what we're saying rather than taking it personally or exploding because it's too caustic. Right. And the Very words good. that we choose matter and we have to be matter. thoughtful about that. Yeah. Without losing our integrity. Exactly. Perfect. Exactly. Perfect. Well, we're going to explore that more. That is a wonderful topic. I'm going to definitely have you back. I love talking with you today and just really appreciate your integrity and in sharing all these great insights and tips with our listeners today. Thanks, Amy. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.